Are you hungry for Jesus in 2024? You hungry for God to do a work in your life? I hope you are. What a great thing to gather on the first Lord's Day of this new year. No, we've already had a few days to get used to writing 2024. This is the first Lord's Day. And to pray on the first Lord's Day of this year that God will do some special, special things in our church, and we pray in your life. I'm so grateful all four of our campuses are joining us this morning, those of you at Eastlake, Crystal Beach, Seminole, online. Um, this is a great day to begin this new year. And as we begin in worship, I am so thrilled to welcome back uh, a brother, who, a man who has become a dear friend at this time. And uh, we're so grateful to have Jim and Carol Simbola here today. Uh, amen. They um, have just become special friends. Brooklyn Tabernacle in Brooklyn, New York is one of the greatest churches I think I've ever been at. One of the greatest churches I've ever had the privilege uh, to speak at and just worship at. And uh, there's so many things you could talk about, but it isn't the building. It's one of the most beautiful buildings you ever see, but it's not that. Uh, it's not how big it is, and it's one of the biggest churches in America and all that, but that's not it. It isn't even how great the music is. Music known around the world. Um, six Grammys, Carol Symbol has won. Um, it's incredible, but it's not that. It is something beyond all that. When you come, you just sense a hunger for God, the presence of God, the blessing of God, and um, part of that, I know they would, it's quickly, it's all about Jesus. But part of that is the leadership, Pastor Jim and Carol right by his side for so many decades. And I have grown to love them in a personal way. I'd read all the books, best-selling books. I, I knew about them from afar. But in the last few years, one of the real blessings of God in my life is getting to know them personally and to be influenced by them. And I think one of the blessings for our church at Calvary is that they have grown to love our church and served us and blessed us. And uh, we just, we kind of consider him just another one of our teachers here at Calvary, and we welcome him from time to time. So join me in welcoming back to Calvary 2024, our dear friend, Pastor Jim Cimbala. Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? Good? Happy New Year to you. Turn to the person next to you and give them a pound and say Happy New Year to them. Come on, everybody. There you go. By the way, she wasn't here this morning, but Carol, where are you? Could you just let me know that you're here, Carol? Where is she? Where? There she is. Greet my wife, Carol. She's over there. And Carol's niece, Lindsay, is doing the sign. She's the best signer in North America. Let's hear it for Lindsay. So thank you for inviting me to be here. I was driving here, Carol, this morning by myself. She came later. And um, I was thinking, this is like in Florida, this is uh, our home church. Uh, we live in an apartment one block from our church in downtown Brooklyn, but we have a home here that my late parents made possible a lot, long time ago in Odessa, 
and we try to get away as much as we can, but it's hard with our schedules. But we love this church. We love your leadership, Pastor Willie, Cheryl, and everyone. So as they greeted me this morning, I said to one of the um, assistants here, you know what? I, I love being here, whether I speak or not. And uh, I, I, I want a membership card from this church today before I leave. And he said, well-trained, he said, yeah, and we're going to give you a tithing envelope along with that membership card. So they know what they're doing here, right? So, again, it's a joy to be here, and we're away from New York for a little while. Um, I want to talk about something that's perfect for this first Sunday of 2024 for all of us. And um, I'm preaching to myself this morning because I need to hear it over and over. But uh, I want you to meditate on this passage of Scripture. The name of this message would be called What God Needs. And that is an oxymoron because God can't need anything or he wouldn't be God. As uh, we read in Scripture and the if you ever get a hold of a systematic theology book, it'll tell you that God is omnipresent everywhere at once. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipotent. He has all power. And he's self-sufficient, which means he doesn't need anything to contribute to who he is. And yet, this passage kind of makes us look at another aspect of how God has brought a relationship with us, his people, into a world that he sent his son into that they might be saved. So we're going to read in, in Matthew here 9 about Jesus in the middle of his busy schedule. Look up at the screen and we can read it together, okay? Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues you know, that struck me this morning, early this morning. He went to the villages. Oh, that's it. I forgot. I'm new at the church. Stand up, everybody. I am so bad. But have mercy. I'm new. I don't have my membership card yet. So he went not only to the towns, but even the villages, which were smaller, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. Now, in the Greek, which is the original language of the New Testament, harassed and helpless are translated in some of the other uh, versions of they were torn and thrown down. Another one has they were mangled. Rotherham's translation, they were mangled and thrown down. In other words, he saw something that struck him and brought great emotion of pity and compassion. And then, like sheep without a shepherd, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You may be seated. May God bless the reading of his word. So here we have Jesus in the midst of his busy ministry. And I was just thinking as I read that now, 
a lot of those people that were in that crowd that so struck him must have been people, obviously, we would call them today seekers. Uh, they weren't followers of him yet, but maybe some were looking for a free meal. They had heard about the loaves and the fishes, and others were just curious, whatever it was. But as he saw them, nameless multitudes, remember, big crowds were around him, pushing, shoving, trying to get close to him. Other time they were at a distance when he spoke. But as he saw them, oh, when he saw them, he didn't see them the way we see people. You go to the mall and you just see people. You're in the highway, you just see people. So he saw and he saw into them. He saw through them. And he saw things that caused him to halt and have great pity and compassion. In other words, he didn't see their color the way we shallowly look at people. What color are they? What race? What political party? Uh, are they rich, poor? Are they old? Are they young? He, he saw into people and he saw their spiritual condition and it wasn't good. So they were mangled and torn and thrown down, discouraged, empty, hurting. Now, they wouldn't admit it, just like a lot of us here might be hurting today. And you're going through spiritual uh, uh, a drought, let's say, or you're empty, or you don't, you're not even born again. You're not even saved. Uh, you, you just go to church. That's a common thing in America now. People are not born again but they go to church on Sunday because it's traditional, it's cultural. But he, he sees through all of us. He knows why I'm preaching here today. He knows what, if I mean what I say. You can't con God. You can play anybody as they say, but you can't play God. And as he looked at them, instead of judging them, he had this outpouring of compassion and pity on them. Look at them. They're like sheep without a shepherd. They're messed up. They're sideways. And why were they that way? Well, he saw how many of them were attacked by Satan. Just like Satan attacks us. We're involved in spiritual warfare. Being a Christian is not a walk in the park. At the end of Paul's life, he didn't say, I've danced a good dance. He said, I have fought a good fight. We're involved in spiritual warfare. Satan goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Some he tries to put to sleep. Others he tries to just discourage. Everyone he tries to destroy. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, Jesus said. So he's looking at this and he sees the satanic attacks. He sees mothers and dads worried about their kids He's, and they don't have a clue. They don't know. They have no relationship with him as of that moment. So they're helpless. They don't know where to go. And others, he sees suffering from sowing and reaping. You know, people, we, we make bad decisions and then we reap the results. And, and there's a lot of pain in that. My wife and I have been dealing for decades down in downtown Brooklyn with sowing and reaping, and you see people just totally messed up uh, because they made poor choices. Um, 
And it's easy to say, if you want to be shallow about the whole thing, well, you know, you sowed it, now you reap it. Like my mother used to say when I was a little boy, you make your bed and you're going to sleep in it. So whatever. You know, it's your problem. I mean, that's if you're not a believer, you could think like that. But not if you love people. Show me a parent that the kid is messed up and they just go, whatever. No, no, you cry with the kid. Someone could say, I know, but they got themselves in that problem. That doesn't change anything. They're messed up. They're hurting. They're crying. So you cry with them. You cry over them. You defend them. Do you not? Hello, is the microphone working? Amen. Say amen once in a while so I know you're there, okay? We have contact. No, I'm only joking. So, you know, when you love someone, it's not so easy to say, you know, whatever. A deaconess who helps me uh, periodically on Sundays and Tuesdays in our church, lovely lady from Trinidad, uh, married to a Guyanese guy. He's a deacon, she's a deaconess, and... and um, about a year ago or a year and a half ago, she let me know that her son is serving time in a prison in Texas. And uh, I, I tried to reach out to get to talk to him. We began to pray. I wrote him a letter, if I remember correctly. And, uh, you know, her son's in prison. Do you think she just said, hey, you know, it's a big, bad world. They should just lock up everyone. Is that, do you think, the way she thought that way? No, that's her son. Don't you get it? When you love someone... You don't rejoice in their suffering, no matter what they've done. That's how Jesus looked at people. He saw what they were going through. He, thought, he saw they had messed up their life, but he still had compassion. My wife and I uh, have done a lot of work in a prison in Louisiana, uh, Angola, Louisiana State Penitentiary, where the average sentence is 91 years. 91 years. 5,200 inmates or thereabouts. And there's been a revival on that uh, in the prison over the last number of years, and they estimate 15, 20, maybe more percent are now Christian. They've been, they found Christ. But now they're paying for that, what they did. They're not going to get out unless God intervenes in some unusual way. So you see that... They have the, but at least they have the Lord. You know, you can be in prison and be free, and you can be out of prison and locked up. Locked up to materialism, locked up to prejudice, racism, locked up to uh, pornography, locked up to alcoholism, locked up to just the American dream, which is going to take you nowhere. So they're, they're free, although they're in prison. And then there were others that must have been in the crowd, and Jesus saw what people had done to them. You know, this is a very mean world. When you meet people and you try to love them, try to be kind because this is a very tough world to live in. People get things done to them. You know, I'm thinking about uh, David wanted, in the Old Testament, wanted to do good to his late friend Jonathan who had died, and Jonathan had a son name of Phibosheth, and, and he limped. He was like this. And David brought him to his uh, table and said, no, you're the son of my friend Jonathan. I want to be kind to the house of uh, Saul, your grandfather. 
And, and Mephibosheth always was at his table. And he was, you know why he was limping? The Bible tells us in another place. Because when war was breaking out and the Philistines were attacking and he was a little boy, some lady, lady grabbed him and ran from the troops and she dropped him. And back then they didn't have good hospital services and he limped. Something broke, never healed. So he limped because somebody dropped him. How many people like that are in New York and in Florida? They're limping, they're hurt because what someone else did to them. Jesus saw all this. He saw all this, and he was moved with compassion. That's probably the greatest need in my life, Carol's life, your life for 2024, is to see people the way Jesus sees people. Not how you, look, I'm half Polish, I'm half Ukrainian. I grew up middle class in, in Brooklyn, New York. So, look, I have my cultural influences, and you have yours. But to become a Christian is to break loose from that and see people the way Jesus sees them, not culturally, racially, economically. You, you see people in their need, their souls, their condition, their hopelessness. They're going to face eternity without Christ. That'll wake you up. So... If you see the way he sees, you begin to feel what he feels. Until we see people differently, we're not going to feel anything like, get out of my way. You're a problem. I got my own life. Hey, get a life yourself. I work it out. I'm busy. That's how we could live. But not Jesus, thank God. How many are thankful this morning that Jesus is full of compassion? Lift your hand. Full of compassion for all of us. Because we've all been messed up. He came into the world to save messed up people. So he looks at these people and he sees them as just needing help. I just got to stop here because that always just flabbergasts me uh, as I think of it. Churches today, especially quote contemporary churches, they have an evil thing called target groups. So when the guy even starts the church, he has a target group of who he wants in his church. This is really sick beyond comprehension. I want 18 through 22, probably white, upwardly mobile. I want, I want hipsters. I want Gen Z or whatever. Jesus knew of no such thing. His target group was if you were breathing, that was his target group. If you were dead, you're gone. But he died for everyone. He loves everyone. So let me get this straight in case someone's watching on this or there's some future minister here. Let me get my arms around this thing. You don't want someone in your church or you don't want to sit next to someone who Christ died for. So explain that to me. Run it by me. You say you're a Christian. I say I'm a Christian. But I don't want to be with people that Christ, Christ didn't have dinner with them. He died for them. That's how much he loves them. But you don't feel comfortable around them. Maybe Jesus doesn't feel comfortable around you. Have you ever thought about that? It just comes to me. Just think of that. Think of what, how sideways American church system is. We have target groups. If they're homeless, they smell a different race or whatever. Hey, I don't want to know about that. That's not my idea of going to church. I want it to be a nice place for the family. The Christian church is not a nice place for the family. It's a Holy Ghost hospital where people can get saved because they meet Jesus. Can we put our hands together? Come on, say amen to that. Well, I'm really not into that. Well, then you're not into Christianity. At least be honest with yourself. 
because Jesus came for the lowest, everyone. He had compassion on the multitude. So now what surprises us in the story is he stops and he wants to give a teaching lesson to his disciples. And he says, look. And they're like, what? No, look, the fields are ripe unto harvest. What field? I don't see any wheat field. I don't see a cornfield. I see a bunch of people. No, 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 don't you get it? That's the harvest. That's why the Father sent me, to help these people. Think of the potential. Think of the harvest we could have. Think how my heart of love would be satisfied if these people could find me as their shepherd. Think how the Father would be glorified when their lives are changed. Look at it, guys. Look, the fields are ripe unto harvest. But, of course, if you're thinking just shallow, culturally, materialistically, it's, there's no harvest here. It's just a bunch of people. But he says, no, no, don't you see it? They're, they're ripe unto harvest. They just need a little work, and they could come in. So the fields are ripe unto harvest, but the workers are few. This is what I say, what God needs. Well, wait a minute. You're Jesus. You don't need anything. Just speak the word, and it'll be done. No, it won't be done. I need workers. My Father has sent me, but the only way this harvest is going to be reaped is through the work of my people. The workers are few. There's, there's lots of people out there hurting, but there's not enough workers. You know what workers do? Hey, good. I'm glad I joined a smart church, boy. Work. We work. Work. You know, work. Time and energy put together and devoted toward a goal. That's work. You know, I was a basketball player in high school and college, and, you know, you would work out and you would practice and you would cross over and do whatever you were working on. But it took time and energy. Nothing changed until you worked at it. So the workers are few. Notice, nowhere does it say the churchgoers are few. Nowhere. It doesn't say anywhere that in the Bible. Nowhere does it say the criticizers are few. The judges, the judge people, people who critique every meeting. They go from church to church and find out what's wrong with it. But they never look in the mirror themselves. No, there's no shortage of those. You got plenty of those. Just people who hover around, they're the drifters. Church to church, not happy, something goes off, now they're not happy. No, no, but they're not going to work. They just drift. Remember that old group back? No, you're not old enough. The drifters. Anybody remember the drifters? Yeah. Drifters. We'll do oldies but goodies here. The drifters. The critiquers. The self-righteous Pharisees. No, no shortage of those. The people who wring their hands and say, what's the world coming to? Look at this stuff. Ah, there's no shortage of those. But work? People who see people like Jesus does, feel what he feels, and now go to work? What work am I talking about? If God's on the throne, why would we have to work? Because you have to work. He doesn't work until we work. 
Remember the last thing he said? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. But if God loves people so much, just, just to decree it and it'll be done. It doesn't work that way. You got to work. How work? Share the gospel. Talk to people. Love people, even if they're obnoxious. Uh, be kind to them. Look for an open door. Be waiting for the opportunity to share your faith. Now, if they come to faith and they get baptized by that precious little girl did today, now who's going to disciple them? Hey, you don't think that you're going to hire enough people in a church to do the work? That's the American concept. You all sit, everybody up here works, and then you maybe come back next Sunday. Maybe. Come on, you know, you know, while I'm speaking it, I'm speaking truth to you. That's the American system. We're spectators. We watch. Pastor Willie, you work your head off, preach, pray, get all these people working, and then maybe we'll come back next Sunday. I met someone in Florida. You know, we don't have this in New York too much with parking lot. I had someone who told me in passing, they didn't know how it affected me, that they left their church because the parking lot did not empty quick enough. Now, there's a person led by the Spirit. No, no, they're too slow getting them out. I got to find another church. Imagine what a joke that is. It must make the angels cry. Right? And you talk to most people, how are you doing with the Lord? Oh, I go to Calvary. I go to Brooklyn Tab. That's got nothing to do with anything. Don't tell me Christ died on the cross, suffered agony, so you could sit in a building one hour a week. Oh, shame on you if you think that. But you talk to most people, that's how they respond. How, how are you doing in your walk with the Lord? Oh, I go to first whatever, first Nazarene, first Baptist, first whatever. It's if that's why Christ died, so you could go to church on Sunday. That's why there's so little light and salt having an effect on the culture because we've fallen into a decrepit system of spectatoritis, not involvement. Jesus didn't say churchgoers are few. He said the workers are few. Then when someone finds the Lord, they need to be discipled. You can't hire enough people to do that. That was never the intention of God. Back in Acts, the book of Acts, the first martyr of the Christian church was a man by the name of Stephen, who was a deacon. He was named a deacon or one of the seven, as they called him, that served food and settled disputes among uh, the widows, the Grecian widows and the Hebrew widows that were part of the church. And, uh, but then the Bible says, and then God used Stephen in these miraculous ways. How? He wasn't ordained. He didn't go to seminary. What are you doing, Stephen? Oh, I just made myself available and God's using me. See, our mind is structured. Everyone has a title, a degree. Got to have two degrees. I had a guy visit my office years ago, oh, 10, 12 years ago. Pastor Jim, I've read your books, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I, I'm going through a very big decision. Would you pray with me? I said, let, let me... Let me, what, what's your situation? Well, I got my master's at, it, at the seminary, but here's what I'm praying. Do I or do I not get a PhD? Would you pray? I'm at a crossroads. 
I don't want to mock education. God leads different people in different ways. But I brought him to the window of my office. I said, look down on the street. See all those people milling back and forth in downtown Brooklyn? The smell of weed is so bad now where we live, my wife and I live. You smell it everywhere. Carol was away in Florida, and I was home about a month and a half ago. And I walked from my apartment down the street, past the parking lot, to this grocery store and back. The weed smell was so strong that it affected me. When I got back, I was feeling sweet when I got back to my apartment. I mean, I was like, whatever. You know, I don't know what I bought, but whatever. And people are smoking that. Why? Because they want to escape their empty, boring, empty lives. Of course, they need some stimulant because they're so unhappy. And the root is spiritual emptiness. So I pointed out the window to him. I said, trust me, brother, young man, nobody down there is praying. Lord, please send someone with a Ph.D. Please, before the sun goes down. Do you do as God leads you? But people don't need PhDs. They just need someone to love them who's full of the word of God. Do I get an amen? Who's full of the word of God, who has the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, let's clap our hands. Say amen to that. Listen, and it's sideways where I come from, where Carol and I live. It is really Brooklyn right now, very dangerous. I'm born and raised there. I never saw it like this. But you know what? It's sideways here in Florida, too. Go to the mall. Go to the, just walk in a mall. Go to the Citrus Park Mall or Countryside Mall and just see all the people milling around. They don't have a clue what the, it's about. Empty, lonely, marking up their bodies. Young people don't even know what gender they are. Polluted in their minds by the stuff given to them by the Board of Ed, which is terrible in New York. You got drag queens brought into the Board of Ed in, in my city to teach six- and seven-year-olds about life. And that's what Jesus saw, and his heart went out. And he said, the laborers are few. Well, Jesus, just speak the word, and the laborers will be there. No. Laborers aren't produced like that. You need others to pray for people. Let them cry on your shoulder. So when I was mentioning about Stephen... When Stephen was martyred, a great persecution broke out against the Christian church. Did you know that? And the Bible says everyone was scattered except the apostles. For some reason, right or wrong, they stayed in Jerusalem. But everyone else, the lay people, they were just scattered because of persecution. They're trying to kill you, so you move. You get out with your family. But it says this, but everywhere they went... They proclaimed the good news of Jesus, not from a pulpit like this, like I am, but everywhere they went, they spoke, they shared, they loved, they prayed, they had faith, they had mercy, they had compassion, everywhere. And that's how the church grew. The church didn't grow through the great ministry of one of the apostles only. It grew because sheep multiplied sheep. Sheep multiplied sheep. These are the workers that Jesus said he was short of. And then as I bring this to a close, he says something more revolutionary. 
you would think when he looks out, he has this feeling, he sees the wastedness of the crowd, and you would think he would say now, um, you know what, guys? Let's set up a school, training school. We, we got we to gotta shape people to become workers. Niet, no. He did not say that. Let's get new discipleship programs so people learn to share their faith. Those all have their place. You know what he said? No, guys. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he would raise up workers for the field. Because only the Lord can raise up someone through the power of the Holy Spirit to give them eyes in here to see people the way they live, to feel compassion and mercy. Otherwise, we're all consumed with our own lives. You know it, and I know it. How many times I've been, I've battled in downtown Brooklyn, just another problem walking through the door, someone bringing me another situation, and sometimes I go like, you know, how many of these can I hear in a month? So you have to ask God for, for a spirit of compassion and mercy so you can do some good. Listen, God's got a plan for you. Look at me. God's got a plan for your life as a believer, and it's not going to church on Sunday. When you think of what I just read and think of how many of you think you're doing due diligence because you come to church on Sunday, just think of that. Christ died and suffered on the cross. He took the nails in his hands. He took a spear in his side so you could go to church on Sunday. That is abhorrent, even as I hear myself say it. No, he's got a plan for you. And you know what? Some of you that are empty and battling with depression, you give yourself to the work of the Lord, you'll have joy unspeakable and full of glory. You can't sit and not be involved and then exercise and, and, um, and enjoy and experience all that God has for you. The best nights of her life and my life are just seeing some life turned around. Are you kidding? I'm like, there, there's a girl uh, singing in, in, in the group, of Carol's singing group now, uh, who was suicidal in college, very bright girl, and went into Carol's office and met God. Carol opened up, shared with her, prayed with her. The girl's life has turned around. Now, instead of being helpless and a victim, she's singing for the glory of God and reaching other people. Come on, let's say amen to that. Comprende, no comprende. Am I speaking the truth as it is in Jesus? So this is the first Sunday of 2024. We got to start it on the right note. Now, what does he want you to do? Well, he told the disciples, pray that the Lord would raise up workers. So that's what I want to pray over you today, that the Lord will work in you. So that you say, no mas, nada mas, no more going to church on Sunday, and that's it. After he died and suffered on the cross, that's what I'm going to do, satisfy myself with some kind of surface hybrid Christianity. No, can't do that. Now, he has to do all the work. Don't make a vow. Don't make a promise. I, I'm not here to amp you up and, and get you all psyched up like, oh, we're going to do something. It'll fall by the wayside. 
You just got to present yourself and say, God, here am I. My brother could come to the keyboard, please. Um, you just got to say, Lord, here am I. Use me. I might never be on the platform, but use me as a prayer warrior, working with children, my vocal gift, going on short-term mission trips. There's a thousand things that the, that the harvest involves. But, but he's looking for workers. Anybody here want to report for duty on the first Sunday of the year? Just present yourself to, listen, time out. You have to present yourself to the Lord and just say, God, I'm not, my, I'm not much. I'm nothing. My wife, she's the talented one, but she can't read or write music. She's won all these awards. She can't read or write music. Did you hear what I just said? She can't read or write music. But God put something in here and in here. And she writes songs and arranges and does harmonies. And she's won those Grammy Awards. But when the Lord comes, what is she going to hand him? A Grammy Award when he, when he returns? Won't be much. Now, hand him some people like that girl that she prayed through with in the office. Oh, now there's an award. Am I right? Look, look, all Pastor Willie, all Pastor Willie has when the Lord comes, I'll be very blunt. All he has that to present to the Lord is you all. That's all I have in Brooklyn. I wrote a book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, years ago. They gave me a, um, they gave me a, a, an award, a book of the year, Christian book of the year. I didn't go to the ceremony, but they sent me the plaque. When Jesus comes, do you think I'm going to run when I see him break the eastern sky and show him my book of the year award? He wrote the Bible. He's not interested in uh, fresh wind, fresh fire. Ah, but people, people I influence, someone I gave a cup of cold water to in his name, now you're talking. Oh, now you're talking. Now you got something. Your house, your cars, if you're into the Florida dream, in a millisecond, it's gone. You won't even remember what you owned the moment he comes. What you call problems. And if I, I might just say this, this is what you got to give yourself to. There, there's an election this year. And this is another thing Satan has used. I, I meet more and more Christians. They're not into Christ and the harvest field. They're into culture war. They're into calling everyone who disagrees with them a demon. You liberal demon, you conservative devil. That's just beautiful. Now try to witness to them after you call them a demon. Listen, you little demon, Jesus loves you and died for you. What foolishness. Come on, you're all mature enough. You know the Bible. You got a great pastor. You know that the Republican, the Democrat, it's all a joke. It's all make-believe. Together, they don't have a clue how to change one human heart. Only Jesus can change a human heart. Only the gospel. Come on, a loud ovation for that. And once you get that fighting spirit in you, I'm prophesying to you, I'm warning you now, once you get that fighting spirit in you, this year you'll be useless to God. He's a God of peace, not a God of get on, on, on social media and destroy other people and fight and call people names. You disagree with them? Disagree with them. Vote your conscience and let's get on with the kingdom. Let's go down working for Jesus. Okay. 
the number is in the red. That means I've gone over my time. Let's bow our heads. Oh, Lord, help use my words and these verses to speak to people. Please, Jesus, I plead with you. Raise up workers for the field. Not churchgoers, workers available to you. You'll show them when to talk, when not to talk, what to do, what not to do, where to make sacrifices of time and substance, energy. All we can do is say, here I am, Lord. I surrender all. If you're here today and while I was speaking and reading these verses, you felt a tug of the Holy Spirit. You do love the Lord, but you know, wait a minute, something's got to change for 2024. I want to be working shoulder to shoulder with Jesus in that field. I want to see a harvest. I want to work in some way. I don't want to be famous. I don't want to be wealthy. I just want to see lives changed and the kingdom built up and Jesus glorified. I'd love to pray over you, sing over you. Just stand if you feel like you want to just start the year on a different footing. Just stand up and say, Pastor, I want to report to duty today in a new way. Just stand up where you are. Thank you. Just, I'm serious, God. With all the grace you give me, I just want to report to duty. You have to take it from here. I'm not trained. I don't know this. I don't know every verse. Don't worry about all that stuff. Just be available. God's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. Just someone, a worker. If you're standing and want to re-consecrate, re-surrender and report for duty, come out of your seat. Come on, all of you that are standing, come out of your seat to the front. Come on. You need an altar call. I need an altar call once in a while. Come. Don't be embarrassed. Come. He died on a cross publicly, stripped mostly naked, and now we're worried about who might see us walk forward. Come on. Come out of your seat. Come close to the edge here so they can fit in. Come on. God's going to honor it. I surrender all. Sing. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior. can't hear you. You've got to sing louder. Everyone together. Oh, I surrender all. Oh, I surrender all. Oh, to be oh, my blessed
before I pray. Lift your hands. Sing again. Lift your hands. I, a sign of worship, a sign of surrender. Lift your hand. I want men and women everywhere lifting holy hands, the Bible says. time. One more time. Sing from your heart now. Sing to him. I surrender. The Lord is here. Sing to him. Oh, I surrender. Oh, my We're going to sing it one more time, real loud. Let the church sing. Jesus, I thank you for the privilege of Carol and I being here today. I thank you for this great church. Thank you for Pat, Lily, Cheryl, everyone else, Lord. But God, it's a new year now. And something's got to change here, Lord. You got to use your people like you want to use us. And all we can do is present ourselves. Help us open the eyes of our hearts so we see people not the way we've been seeing people. Help us to see people into them, into them, in their pain. Their Help us not to be afraid to weep over people and to be full with compassion, Lord. Fill us with mercy so that instead of judging people, we reach out to people. Now, God, you have plans for every one of us. This year, 2024, make us workers in the field. And then when we sleep at night, we're going to have a fulfillment and a joy because we're working with you for what's important to you, not what the culture says. Save us from the culture. The culture disappears in a second. But the kingdom of God goes on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So use my brothers and sisters. Help them to be bolder than they've ever been. Give them wisdom, when to speak, when to be quiet, when to pray. Direct us by the Holy Spirit, when to call people. Give us burdens. Give us something, God, so that our life is filled with more than just materialism. We thank you and we love you that we belong to you and that you would want to use people like us. Oh, we praise you, Lord.
We praise you for your mercy and patience with all of us. But now, today is the first day of the rest of our lives. Make it a beautiful life, walking with Jesus, letting Jesus live through us. Bless this congregation. Bless it, Lord. Bless their bread and their water and everything they do. Let them go in at Calvary Church from glory to glory, from faith to faith, and from grace to more grace. For the best is yet to come for this church. We believe it. We proclaim it. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, let's give God a hand clap of praise.